Well, good morning, everyone. You doing all right? Good. Turn to your neighbor, somebody sitting by you. Say, how you doing over there? Give them a little fist bump. Say, good to see you today. Can you do that? You need to give a fist bump every day, at least one. You know, the apples keep the doctor away. The fist bump keeps the devil away. All right? Just you know, write that down. Tweet that right now. Yeah, that's what you need. That's a good one. All the theologians go, nope, that's not what happens. Well, I'm glad that you're here today. Today, uh, we are wrapping up a series that we've been talking about for the last month. The whole month of March has been this series, Win in Rome. And the reason we call it Win in Rome, because you know the rest of that phrase, right? Win in Rome, do as the Romans. Well, our goal is, as Paul wrote this letter to Roman believers, both Jewish and non-Jewish believers, trying to give, be very instructional on how to live for Christ, how to get along with others, how to have unity among the believers. We pray that we would just take that as if we were in Rome when Paul wrote it, right? And that we will go do those things. It's, it's absolutely useless. Do you all know that? It's absolutely useless just to read God's Word. Just to read the Bible, it does nothing. It's not abracadabra. It's not magical. But the Bible tells us that it's living and active. So once we start putting it into practice in our lives, it actually starts to change our lives. So that's what we hope that this series, when in Rome, when we start to apply the book of Romans to our lives, we get to see our lives change and adapt to God's will for our lives. Amen? Okay, I'm excited about this today because we're wrapping it up. This has been a great 16 chapters up until, well, including today will be 16 chapters overall. So if you have your orange bulletin, uh, there's some notes there if you want to follow along. I'd love for you to follow along. You can follow along on uh, version. There's notes on there too. So however you want to follow along is great. Uh, while you're turning to that and getting your notes ready, let me remind you, does anybody have any idea what next week is? Yeah, absolutely. Next week is Easter, and it's going to be the biggest day of our year every year. And the reason it's our biggest day because all of you bring your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, all of those people that don't have a church home or that are in town visiting or that, you know, mom wants to come over and hang out with the kids and uh, watch them take pictures with the Easter bunny, whatever that is, all of those things will be next week. So we have put the last batch of our invitational cards, our invite cards, on your seats this morning. So grab one of those, put it in your pocket, take it with you, find somebody this week to invite, bring with you next week, and uh, be a part of that. And let me just say that, as we gear up for next week, next week is also our biggest week of the year for our dream team. And dream team is what we call all of the volunteers in every area from parking lot to kids to our ushers in here, our band, everybody, everybody that volunteers at South Point is a part of the dream team. And if you're not a part of the dream team, let me tell you, this is the time to jump on board. This is the time when you can just get plugged in, find out what your gifts and abilities are, and uh, become a part of what God's doing at South Point. Listen, our goal is, as God does things, as God saves people's lives and changes families, and we grow this church, reaching people around the community, that you look back two and three and four or five years from now and say, I was a part of that because you're a part of the dream team. Amen? So we hope that, you're, hope that you'll be a part of that all the time. And in fact, our prayer team people that you'll see today, some of them are brand new to the Dream Team. Some of them have been on different areas for years. That's another area that you can get involved. We're looking for, uh, we're expanding, we're trying to grow and keep our parking lot team consistent. Uh, we use it for big events right now, but we're wanting to have our parking lot team every week. So if you go, hey, I am a high labor, low 
skill investment. Now, we have some very sharp people on the parking lot team, please. Okay. Woo, I about got myself there, didn't I? We have some sharp people on the parking lot, but it's a great opportunity for you just to jump in. And if you can just go like this, empty spot. Hi, empty spot. If you can do that, you're a winner, winner, chicken dinner on the parking lot team, all right? So it'd be a great opportunity. Just mark your communication card. The parking lot guy will get in touch with you, and we'll go from there. Okay, so grab your notes. We're going to jump into these last four chapters of the book of Romans. Wrap this thing up today. And remember the the purpose of the letter uh, to the Romans, the purpose of that was to unify the believers, was to let them know some information that he's coming to, to convey that information of where he's planned on going, how they could help. But the bulk of it, as you've heard the last three or four weeks, was to unify the believers because the foundation of the church in, in Rome was about half of them were Jewish followers of, of Christ and the other half were non-Jewish followers. And as you can imagine... So whatever denomination, faith, whatever you were raised in, you can imagine if they moved you across town to that other church, and that's where you had to start going and trying to work in your beliefs with their beliefs and all those things. That's what we're going to be talking about today too. And can I tell you that instructions in God's Word is super helpful for us, super beneficial. Maybe it's maybe one of the reasons that I love Romans so much. You've heard me over the years say, out of all the books of the Bible, John is my absolute favorite. Now, I love all the Gospels, but John is my favorite. It gives just an overarching view of the Gospel, the love, the plan of God, all of that in the book of John. But close number two, and it's just because it doesn't have the full Gospel in there, is the book of Romans because it's instructional. Now listen, for years I've used my stories and talked about me growing up and all that. But let me tell you, there wasn't a whole lot of instructions in the Morris household growing up. Stay out of mom and dad's way. I had great parents. They loved me. Low on the instruction scale. And, and as I was thinking about that, reading that this week, just talking about it, it it's funny because like my first broke bone was almost 18 months old. Taking a dive out of my high chair, cracking my skull concussion, 18 months old, and set the pattern for the rest of my life. My, my three-year-old uh, photo for our family, we used to go down to Sears, you know, in Duncan. That's where everybody went in Duncan. You used to go down to Sears, and my picture is me like this, the little, the little awning thing or whatever it was, the little wall, and I'm sitting like this, and my arm is behind it. And the reason is because I had a cast on that right arm at three years old because I climbed up in my grandpa's tree and jumped out. Can I tell you, three-year-olds don't really get distance a whole bunch. And when I say low on the instruction scale, I just want you to back that sentence up for a minute. Three-year-old tree. Yeah. And that's from being shot with a BB guns multiple times and have them dug out to breaking both ankles, both arms, legs, collarbones, shoulders, knees, wrists, all but one finger. I think all of those kind of things. You know... That comes with no instructions. Parents, help your kids stay alive. Okay? That's your job. Now, I say all that joking because this week, my daughter dislocated her shoulder, I mean her elbow again. Second time for that elbow. No surgery this time. That's great. But she's already, her whole left side. But it's because of tumbling. Okay? It it's, must be a bad tumbling instructor because... Her parents give her great instruction. None of my kids have been, had broke bones because of our lack of instruction. I'm just like, thank you, God. Do you understand? 
that we need instruction in our life. We need guidance. And if you, you have two choices, you can either take that instruction and apply it and end up with not as many broken situations in your life, or you can say, well, that was great for those guys back then, and do your own thing and just break stuff all the time. Right? And that's exactly why we chose this book in the first place. The book of Romans has so much good stuff. Michael's message last week was amazing because out of all of this book of instruction, you get this few little six or eight verses of the why. The why we do the instruction. Because God is so amazing. Because he's unmeasurable. He owns it all. He's given it all. And it's all to us to live back to him. To live back, to give it back as we live it back to him. That little passage helps to summarize last week. So this week we're going to jump through a couple of sections in a couple of the chapters and summarize the the last four chapters, five chapters of the book for you. Does that sound good? After this, you'll have a PhD in Romans, all right? You have a PhD in Romans. That's good to have with you. So we're going to start real quick. We're going to jump into chapters 12 and 13. I'm going to read you a few verses from there. But I want you to understand, Paul goes back to what it's going to take if you and I are going to live in unity with other believers, with other people that don't see things the way that we see them. Now, there's a lot of other books in the Bible that tells us how to get along with non-believers. But Romans is specifically talking about how to get along with the people sitting in your row right there. Look down your row right and left. One of these days... You're going to come in, and they're going to be sitting in your seat. And you're just going to love them anyways, right? Or you're going to stand over and go, that's where I usually sit. No, we don't, want, we don't do that. Just move, move a row, right? Because that's not in this book, but that's in the, the Morse version. Just sit in a different seat, right? It, that's exactly, that practicalness is exactly what ta- Paul talks about in these last few chapters. So let's jump in the very first verse of Romans 12. But even, let me set that up. Remember last week. Remember last week. Michael ends, Michael's whole message, Pastor Michael was talking about the greatness of God. How he can't be measured. How he owns it all. He, his, we can't comprehend his ways, his thinking, his understanding, all of those things last week. And then the very next verse is chapter 12, verse 1, and it says this. So therefore, remember he's talking about what he talked about in 11 Therefore, since I mentioned those things, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Amen? It's it's what we do with our bodies that actually proves what we believe. Amen? It's, it's not just, oh, Lord, I worship you. They're so great. This band is amazing. I love worship. That's not worship. Worship is what we do with our lives, right? And, and in view of the first 11 chapters of Romans, he says, offer your bodies. Offer everything you do, everything you see, everything you hear, the places you go, how you respond. Offer all of that to God as your living sacrifice. That's what real worship's all about. Isn't that good? That's how he transitions us into the last few chapters of his letter to the Romans. Well, let's keep reading. We're going to skip down to 12, 9. Chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, it says this. Verse 9, love must be sincere. Everybody say, not fake. You think he's checking some church people? Hey, your love, it just can't be like this, right? 
got to be sincere. It's got to be real. It's got to be when people park in your parking space and you walk inside and that same joker's in your seat. You still got to love them. It's got to be real. It's not conditional. It's sincere. It's truth. Amen? He continues, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Verse 10 says this, and here's some of the trick. He's starting to put the pieces together. Be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourselves. He's starting to put the pieces together. And how, how are you going to live a unified life? How are you going to live a godly life? First, offer your bodies to God. And then let this be your goals. He gives us some bullet points. That's what chapter, I mean, verse 9 are just bullet points. Your love has got to be the real deal. It's got to be sincere. And then below that, you've got to hate what's evil. Because evil will chew you up and spit you out, right? And, and with that, like part B of that second bullet point, cling to what's good. Find things in your life that are good and cling to those. And push that evil stuff away, right? And then he puts the glue in there. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Can I tell you, this is a lifelong process. But toward the end of chapter 12, he really hits it home on this. Romans 12, 18 says this. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. You know what he's saying? Do all you can. Your, your first point in your notes, do all you can. You know why? Because I don't have enough ink to write all the bullet points in the book of Romans, in this letter of Romans, for what you should do to help people get along, to help the church be unified. You know when the church, here, here's, here's what I want to bring out at this point. You know when the church, God's hands and feet, God's heart and head on this planet, when this thing right here, South Point and the other churches, when we are unified, do you know that we can accomplish God's will on this planet? We, we can hear from God what we're supposed to do as a church body. We can understand that he's not going to come down to it, that we're going to do it. And we can come up with enough people and enough finances, enough resources to go and carry out God's will on this planet. That's what a unified church can do. Amen? Can I tell you what a non-unified church can do? Everybody, get ready. Get your hand ready. Ready? Put your thumb down and go... And that's the nicest version of what I could come up with, what a ununified, how do you say that? Disunified, non-unified? Yep, me too. Ununified church can do. They, they cause distractions from God's will. They distract you and people around you. That, the church that my grandpa, who I've mentioned many times, spiritual giant in my life, no longer attends there, but the church that he started attending right after he got saved. This weekend, the pastor, or last weekend, the pastor announced his moral failure that he'd been having an affair with the secretary for whoever, somebody in the church for years and years. Can I, can I tell you what that does to God's will in the church? It, it immediately breaks the unity in the church. Sin and, and hatred and all of those, not clinging to what's good and then clinging to what's evil. Those type of things tear up God's will. But can I tell you, when you do all you can, amen? When you do all you can, God's going to do incredible things, not just in our church. That's, this is the great part about us being unified as a body. God will do great things in you, in you. And, and can I tell you, that's why, that's why when people say, oh, we pray for revival in the church, and everything, I say, well, start with you. 
Because that's where it's going to happen. If you get a bunch of people on fire for Jesus, other people in the community will come watch you burn. Do you know that? I stole that from somebody, but I'm sure it's good. Yeah. It, when, when there is a love in you that is sincere, that hates evil, that clings to what's good, that does whatever it can to get along and live at peace with others, there are no distractions for God's will to be carried out in our lives. Do what you can. Do what you can. Everybody say, do what you can. Do, do what you can. Do all you can. Not just things that are limited or listed in the Bible, but don't limit yourself by that. Do the things that you can do to help people, to reach people, to love on people. To, and can I tell you, most of those aren't going to be starting an orphanage in India. Most of the things you and I can do are going to be little things throughout the day to help bring peace to people's lives. Amen? That's what's going to change people's lives. There are people in this church right now that are here because somebody told them in, in a restaurant or on, on a small group page or one of them even in a, getting their hair done and she was talking about how her small group was taking care of them during hard times. And the lady said, we don't have a church, but I'm looking for a church like that. Where's that at? That's what changes people's lives. People doing all they can to bring about peace in other people's lives. Amen? Isn't that good? Jesus pronounced a blessing on people that would bring peace. In Matthew 5, it's in your notes, Matthew 5, 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. People that bring peace, people that do all they can, that bring peace in lives, you're God's kids. Isn't that good? It is children of God. And in fact, it goes on, Paul even says in Galatians 5, when he's talking about the fruits of the Spirit, listen, this is some of his own writing reflecting Romans 12. Listen to what he says in verse 22 of Galatians 5. But the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit in our lives, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, everybody say peace. Peace. Peace is a fruit of God's Spirit in your life. Amen? He goes on to say patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. You cannot be so peaceful in your life. You cannot be so loving in your life that you get to heaven and God goes, it's too much. There's no limit on that. There's no limit on the peace that you can give out. That's why Paul says, do all that you can to live at peace with people. Do all that you can. Let them sit in your seat. Let them park in your spot. Love on them so you can do all that you can to live at peace. I believe that's speaking to some people in this room right now. It speaks to me. Do all that I can to live at peace. You want to change your life? Be that person. Be a peacemaker. Amen? Well, let's, let's jump on into chapters 14 and 15. I could preach this all day long, but I'm running out of time already. Romans 14 says this, verse 1, and I'm just going to read you one verse out of this. It says, except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Listen, he really buttons it down and starts getting a little more detailed in these last two chapters about what things are you talking about, Paul? How can I live at peace? What are the things that I can do to live at peace with all people? And he said, well, one of those things 
is that you can accept people whose faith is weak or people that don't see things the same as you and ignore those things. Stop quarreling over disputable matters. Would you like Paul to define some disputable matters for you? He doesn't. I wish that he did, but let me tell you, at South Point, we do exactly this. We do this in, a, in the, our three- or four-week class that's called Growth Track that we do in the sec, during second service in this corner classroom every week. If you haven't been through Growth Track, you need to go through Growth Track. And let me, let me lay out this verse as it's listed in Growth Track for you. We, we do the disputable versus non-disputable in there, but here's what we call it. Point number two is this. At South Point, it's essentials versus non-essentials. All right? Is that easy enough? Does that sound like Romans to you? Romans 14 right there? Everything we do at South Point, we try to pattern after God's word because we don't want any opinions in there. Amen? And the reason Paul said this, disputable things, because disputable things come in and then they cause disunity among the believers. So why don't you figure out what the essential thing is and what the non-essential things are and don't worry about the non-essential things ever. But it gets gray there a little bit, doesn't it? Like, what's a non-disputable thing? Like, when we talk about our faith, I mean, talking about, like, Jesus riding the donkey, is that disputable? Talking about the day of his birthday, was it Christmas or not? Let me tell you, this is how we list. I'm going to give you three things real quick in your notes. First, in essential beliefs, we have one. Everybody say, uno. One. We have one. In non-essential beliefs, we have many. Those are the disputable ones, all right? We have many. But in all our beliefs, here's our guiding factor, we show love. We have one essential. Do you know what it is at South Point? Are you ready for this? We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He lived a sinless life for you and gave that life so that you could have salvation and hope, period. That's it. That's the one we, we argue over. If you want to argue about that, I'll, I'll debate with you all day long. Jesus is God's son. He's the only way. That's it. There's no other way. Well, Scott, what about Sundays? What if I prefer to go to church on Saturdays? Well, knock yourself out. You don't have to, it's a non-essential, right? You can go on Tuesday afternoon. You can go 3 o'clock Thursday morning. Amen? I got pickles in my fridge right now that are kosher, and they're not for spiritual reasons. Do you know that? Because it's not essential. You understand that? Some of you, don't raise your hand on this. Some of you thought that that last song, a hymn, was the greatest song we've sung in five years. But do you know what? Songs aren't essential. Amen? Whether the stage is white or black, not essential. Amen? Do you remember... Two weeks ago when Paul said, listen, some of us, sometimes because we're Jews, and he was a Jew, sometimes because we're Jews, we think that we just have an inroad with God because we're circumcised, we have this covenant of the of blood with God. He said, but that's not true. It has no, nothing to do with you being Jewish. It has to what your heart is following. Remember that? He said, whether your heart is circumcised and is following God, that's what's essential that's what makes the difference. It's not the little things sometimes that we would love to debate on. And it's, it's even great to debate on those. I'm not saying you can't debate on those things. But they're not essential. You shouldn't argue about those. You shouldn't let those things ever 
cause division. Amen? That's what Paul's saying. As he wraps up this letter, I want you to understand, I want this Romans church, I want this South Point to be a strong and healthy church. And the way you do that is you're going to have to put other people above you. You're going to have to say, listen, there's only one essential. Jesus is the Son of God who gave his perfect life for me. That's it. That's the only essential. The rest of them are not essential. I don't know if the devil has horns and a pointy tail and a pitchfork. Who cares? There's one essential. If you like to study that stuff, awesome. Knock yourself out, right? Nothing wrong with it. But we're not going to debate it. Amen? You understand, like, we, we, we try to, at South Point, we try to read God's Scripture, and then we put it into practice. Because the one place that I can guarantee you we won't fail is when we are copying God's Word. When we mix in a little of man's opinion, that's when we get in trouble. Amen? God says... Why don't you not argue about things that are not essential? Why don't you focus on the main thing? Keep the main thing the main thing. What's up, Slick? And with that, you can stay unified. Amen? And when you're unified, your church is healthier. You're carrying out God's will. You're, you're able to be used by God without Him having to fix a bunch of bickering and complaining. And on top of that, since you're not bickering and complaining, your family's healthier, your personal outlook, your relationship with God's healthier. Come on now, you see where I'm going with this? The, the reason that he pushes us to stay healthy with our, with our believers, with our fellow church people, is because that manifests all the way through our lives. Do everything you can to be at peace with everybody. Don't worry about the non-essentials. There's only one essential. Let's focus on that and win people to Christ and change their lives. Amen? He finishes verse, or chapter 14 by saying this, Therefore, in verse 13, Therefore let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, here we go. Here's our, Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Let's just make up our minds to never put a stumbling block Never anything that would slow somebody's faith down that would hurt them. Never a rule made by man that would stagnate their spiritual life. Never put anything in somebody's way that would keep them from Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah, I've shared over the years, I've shared my long hair picture. When I became a believer, my hair was down to my chest. And I remember... Two or three months later, I think I've told this story before, but two or three months later, I was, I was really trying to change my image because of the people that I would see out, outside the church. Nobody in the church had ever said anything. But in my mind, I just thought, well, they're always checking me out because we're in this little country church. You know, it's just about 100 people, and I'm, I got the longest hair in the church, you know. I, I think. There were some buns rolled up. They may have been longer, but <laughs> y'all get where I'm going with that. But when I cut my hair, when I cut my hair... Two of the oldest ladies in the church that were the prayer warriors of the church. Two of those oldest ladies caught me in the, in the lobby when I came in. And they said, oh, sugar, why'd you cut your beautiful hair? And at first it was hilarious. And then it almost brought me to tears. Because I was thinking, finally, like all, all of these things that had kept me out of church. People worrying about my clothes or my hair or my background or those things. These ladies just saw right through that. They didn't even care about my long hair. I wish I could have grown it right back out, but I can't do that. But you know what I'm saying? Like That's the mentality 
we ought to be in as believers. Never project my essentials onto somebody else. There's only one essential for everybody. The rest of them are preferences, right? The rest of them are just preferences. Let's never put a stumbling block in somebody else because if we can stay with that, we can have a unified church. And the last one is this, the last passage, Romans 15. We're going to wrap it up. Romans 16, Paul writes a bunch of thank yous, and there's a bunch of great names in there. You ought to just read through and connect in world history and in biblical history who those people are. It's great. But we're going to focus on 15, and it says this in verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Verse 2. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, as, but as it is written, quote, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Verse 4, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. And here's what it's going to teach us. Here's the reason we study the book of Romans. Here's what we're helping that the book of Romans shows us is this. Here it is. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Amen? That we might have hope. Point three is I want you to get what Romans is about. Try not to focus on these guys. Romans is all about hope. That's what it's about. The reason he pushes us to be unified, the reason he pushes us to bear with one another is so that all of us will have the hope of Jesus Christ in our lives, right? It won't be some rule out here that we have put our hope in these rules that we get to understand there's a relationship that comes with this hope in Christ. That he hopes that everything that was written in Scripture and in Romans brings you and I hope in our lives. Amen? He hopes that it encourages you that it inspires you, that it teaches you, that it trains you, that all of this writing that he's been doing, these 16 chapters, and of course to him they weren't chapters, it was just multiple pages of letters that he wrote. And all of that, he said, all of this I'm writing, all of this for you, so that it would encourage you, that it would teach you, that it would show you the endurance of people that live just like you, that struggle with problems in their relationships and in their, in their church and in their careers and with government and all the things that we deal with today, all of that was happening back then too. He said, I hope that through all of that, it would bring you hope. That it would show you that none of that is essential. Right? That's what he's saying. Like all the things we argue with, they're not essential. There's only one. That we're going to stand on. There's only one thing that we can put our hope in. And it's not that I go to church on Sunday. It's not even that I go to church at South Point. The one thing I put my hope in is that Jesus Christ, that blood that he gave, that life that he gave, would give me strength for today. Would help me to understand that it's not just about me and the decisions I made and the past that I bring. That stuff doesn't define me. It's who I follow today that defines me. Amen? And if so-and-so could do it in Scripture that I just read about, then I can do it too. That brings me hope in my life. That's what the book of Romans is all about. All of this is written to bring you hope and to show you that endurance through God's Word is there. You can do it. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that the book of Romans wouldn't just be something we study, 
but we would live it out just like we're in Rome. When in Rome, do as the Romans. That we would apply it to our lives. That we would do all we can every day to live at peace with all people. And just let Jesus work out the non-essentials. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you today and I thank you so much for your love for us. I pray that right now, that as we lift your name up, that your spirit would come into our lives, that you would do the miraculous thing that only you can do, Lord, that you would change us from the inside out. We're not worried about the outside, but as you change our heart, as you circumcise our heart and our thoughts and our, put your word alive in us, as we apply them to our thoughts, as we apply them to our habits, as we apply them to our day, we have hope that you can do what only you can do in our lives. We love you, Lord. We pray that you would help us to live for you every day. With your eyes closed, let me take one more minute and pray one more prayer. For those that may be in this room and you don't have a relationship with God and you're wondering, wow, I would like to have the hope that Scott's talking about. I'd like to have the hope that I hear about in Romans. I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray that God would come in supernaturally Come into your heart, forgive you of your past, and give you hope for your future. Teach you how to live for Him. But the only way that happens is for you to open up your life, to open up your heart. For you to say, Lord, come in. Now, I'm not going to call you up front or a prayer team person is going to come back and get you. But let me just ask, for those that would say, hey, Scott, pray for me. I'm making that decision today to open my life and let Jesus come in. If that's you, will you just... Give me a quick wave real quick. While nobody's looking around, just let me know. Hey, that's me. I'm making that decision. Awesome. Super proud of you. Anybody else? You can put your hand right back down. Anybody else? I'm making a decision today. Let Jesus rule my life. Let him come in and be my hope, my salvation. Lord, I pray for these that raised their hand this morning that you would do exactly as your word says. This is our hope, Lord, that when we say yes, when we open our lives to you, that you come in, that you set us free from our past, that you wash away our mistakes and our sins, and that you give us hope for the future. So I pray for these that raise their hands, God, that you would do exactly that, that you would give them hope, that you would show them that nothing can separate them from the love that you have for them. And that from this day forward, you'll walk with them, you'll teach them your spirit, will show them how to live out your word. We love you, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. And everybody said amen. Going into the bridge. For the next three or four minutes, will you just do something with us? Will you just worship right where you're at? Feel free to sit or stand. And if you would say, you know what, I need prayer about something in my life or a little more prayer than what we talked about today, feel free to find one of our prayer team members up here and just take a minute and pray with them, all right? God bless you. Last time, back to the bridge. Bridge, two.